I really haven't got time for this today. Do you remember, right, there was a thing about, I don't know how many years ago, and it was a news, it was from the news, and there was this lady, I think her name was Sweet Brown, and um, she was, it was like, she her house had caught fire, and then someone had like taken that little news article and, and auto-tuned it into a song. Was your question, do I remember that? No. <laughs> I'm going to show it to you. Right. Hang on, I've got to show it to you because it's it's a classic. Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time. Ain't nobody got time. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I just love how uninhibited and genuine she is. Oh, it's brilliant. Okay, welcome to episode 11 of Keeping On Track, the penultimate episode for season one. My name is Bradley Williams, and with me is... Adam Hay. As always. <laughs> Here, come rain or shine, whether he wants to be or not. <laughs> no. I'm here out of the goodness of my heart. That's it. Just the pure... I like how you call it an ultimate, because it, it could be the final one. If something happens, you don't ever get to it. <laughs> if he can't be bothered. <laughs> you know what we can do, actually? You know when, when you hear that the BBC have found a lost episode of something from 40 years <laughs> yeah. ago? We just let's call it the lost episode. Episode twelve just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, but you have to record it first. Dear me, two weeks has passed since our last podcast. It's becoming a two-weekly thing. Now. I know. Well, it's been busy, isn't it? It's been a busy few a few weeks. Life's getting back to normal, isn't it? Really, and so uh, our time is is much much more precious than it once was. I guess. I thought we'd jump straight into it today. Uh, I'm, I don't need to ask you how your week's been or your weekend's been or any of that because uh, I know what your weekend's been like. Your weekend's been disappointments on FIFA, <laughs> basically. Well, that's true. But in fairness, I forgot to tell you, it was also my niece's second birthday. Oh, so birthday bless. What did so you do? Anything special? Just like a little tea party in the garden with my parents, you know, so just with the immediate family. Oh, that's nice. What did you play with lots? train sets and you know all kinds of new toys and puzzles and things <laughs> no and our favorite thing at the moment is to 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 put the hose on and spray people with water so we just run around the garden <laughs> spray water everyone. <laughs> and, and, then, and then me crimple the kind of hose so that the water stops flowing classic and telling her to blow in it and as she blows in it letting it go again so it it, it sprays water in her face and she finds that hysterical, which is great. <laughs> Fantastic. That is uh, that has gotta be one of the classic dad slash uncle tropes of Oh yeah, I I mean I I didn't realise I'd been training for this job my whole life, but apparently I have because I'm nailing it. <laughs> I, I know what to do. As an uncle. <laughs> at least right now I at least now t- the tummy tickles pretending to be asleep, spraying with water, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's that's basically what you do in your job. 
<laughs> what um what did you get her for a birthday? Well, my mum was bizarrely keen on, on something that I just didn't make sense to me. She right. was keen for, for us to get her some kind of baby um iPad thing. Oh right, you know? okay. Like I've seen like, it. Is it the, it's the, like a little tomey thing, isn't it? Like with Yeah. yeah. I think it's VTech make it. Yeah. They've always made kind of like computery things, um, which doesn't really make sense for my mum because she's a little more old-fashioned than that. I, you know, thought she would want practical toys. Like Macy will get to having iPads and computers plenty, you know, later life. Yeah. For now, just play. So there was, yeah, for some reason, everyone was like big into that stuff, and I just, uh, being the rebel that I am, decided no, I wasn't going to do that. And so I bought her um, like a little motorized train set and city track things so and we've, we've got like ambulance and police cars and stuff and she can just like drive these cars around and the train goes around on its own oh that's cool yeah she loved it just laid for hours just playing you know pushing this car along and then letting it drive off itself and little music tunes and stuff lovely um yeah it was good fun playing in the garden in the sun playing with transits well marin had um marin had her injections this morning so she had uh four injections she went in, the woman jabbed her with the needles. She literally cried, literally like, it was like, um, you know, like in movies when someone wakes up in a hospital bed and they always pull the um, the, the the cannula out of their wrist, like the top of their hand. Yeah. It always makes you go, ooh. Like she did that, she had these needles and she sort of moved her arm because Marin's like got Hulk strength and she sort of batted the nurse's hand out of the way and then like grabbed the needle. <laughs> I was like, oh man, what's going to happen here? It was like a Stephen Seagal movie. Like she's going like, to use it as a weapon. But um, we, I managed to sort of grab her arms and stuff. But um, so she sort of cried and then it literally, I, I, I grabbed her, hugged her. She stopped crying straight away and she's been smiling all day ever since. And I was just like, that kid's a G. And, and I was well proud of her. So, um, yeah, so we spent all, my wife spent all weekend wearing, well, not all weekend, but Adele spent the weekend kind of saying to me, like, oh, I'm going to need you available Tuesday morning because I can't do it. I can't go in there. Like, she'll be really upset. It'll make me really sad. So, uh, so my weekend was building up to that. <laughs> and then it was an anticlimax because it was all fine. But I did also buy a new TV. So it? Just noticed we're 10, 15 minutes into this. Uh, and we haven't talked about uh, films yet. We haven't talked about any kind of film for this week or about any sort of special surprises you have for me. Yep. Uh, I'm wondering if you're about to tell me we've got a special guest joining us. <laughs> no, no. He ignored us. I, 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 I did the research. I, I sent him a letter. And he ignored us, which is fine, I guess. Nothing, not a peep. Not a peep, nothing. One hundred percent nada. But I've realised we probably haven't talked on the podcast. So as we left it last time, we were going to write a letter, and we actually wrote the letter. You wrote the letter. I said to me, we had a little bit. posted it, old-fashioned style, yep. to his home address. Yeah, because um, I couldn't get we couldn't get hold of an agent, so uh, there were no contact details. <laughs> his home address so in fairness i've probably just got an injunction coming that's probably what i'm waiting for <laughs> but uh no unfortunately not which is fine i guess you know it is what it is so um but i do have a film for you and i do have a little activity for you so there's that okay um, can we keep trying 
We'll keep, we'll keep Bruce, Bruce Robinson. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try once more. I mean, I did promise in my letter that right. if he didn't respond to us, that I would take that as a, you know, essentially like a leave me alone type thing. So we'll see. We've still got one episode. There's a chance he might have been on holiday. He might write back to us suddenly. There's every chance. To come every up. chance. Um, so, yeah. So now we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But um, okay. anyway, yes. Yeah, so um, movies for this week. So I, uh, I'm i picking a movie that's like an oldie. Well, not an oldie, but it's, you know, it's fairly, it's a well-known film. It's well-worn. Um, but I thought it might be quite a fun one to talk about. It's Step Brothers. Have you seen that before? Uh, you know the answer to that question. <laughs> okay. So, so, the gen- so the central conceit of Step Brothers is that you've got um, uh, a, a boy called a, a guy called Brennan and a guy called Dow, and they're in their late thirties, early forties, and they're um, parents of divorce, uh, children of of, of, a divor- of divorced parents. So, um, Brennan lives with his mum Nancy, and uh, Dow lives with his dad Robert. And when Nancy and Robert meet at a conference, they fall in love and get married. And then Dale and Brennan are obviously forced to move in with their parents in, in, together in this in this house. And they and they just don't get on. They hate each other. And they're kind of like they're man children basically. Um, um, so they spend a lot of the movie kind of hating each other and just being horrible to each other. And then they bit by bit come together and, 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 and essentially form a bond and the second half of the movie is all about the kind of shenanigans that they get up to together. But um you, that that sounds like the movie I, I know of it. I've seen the trailer, sure. I know enough. And and you've done a decent job describing it. But I do feel you've slightly underplayed the fact that these guys are in like their forties. <laughs> so when we say they're man children, they're literally man children. <laughs> they're like forty year old guys. <laughs> Acting, they were two. <laughs> that's basically it. And I mean, it's Will, it's Will Ferrell, right? So you know what you're getting with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley yeah. and all the crew and Adam Pay. Yeah, so I should have seen it. I love Anchorman. Yeah. This is very much up my street, but I, for whatever reason, I've just never seen it. It, um, it is a great movie. I do love it. I, I, it's one of those films where it just it shouldn't be heralded as a classic, but it just is. It's just that sort of one of those movies that just you just watch it and watch it and watch it and it gets you as funnier every time it's just brilliant i wonder if there's an element of because you've got a brother you can really relate to probably lots of the shenanigans uh, i don't know I, I, I think it's just because i'm a man child i don't know maybe that <laughs> maybe it's that side of it but uh it, i don't know I, it, I just i just think it's such a funny film and um when i was watching it re- uh, recently i was i was sort of thinking oh i wonder whether this would fit itself into a topic and and i think it would actually i think it and so uh, uh, what i wanted to do is i wanted to look at uh, step brothers in relation to like what do you do with underperformers how do you utilize people who seem to be you know the worst performing individual on a team or if you're on a team the one person that you can you can't trust to do anything because they'll, they'll mess it up how do you utilize those people and how do you build them up and, and and you know work with them and help them realize and and see the good in them rather than see them as um, someone to avoid and uh there, there are just so many instances in the film and and um what i love about it is is the fact that there's this bit kind of halfway through where they can't get jobs. 
So what do we do for jobs? I mean, is your dad really going to kick us out? Listen, don't worry about my dad. Got him sewn up. We've got to start thinking bigger, though, Brennan. Listen, what are you really good at? Singing. I'm a, I'm a world-class singer. See? Right there, that's an amazing skill. Now, what am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. And put all that together, what do you get? Um, I don't know, a band? No, that's been done before, even better. We are going to start an international entertainment company, the biggest and the best. And we're going to call it Prestige Worldwide. Sounds so cool. And it's got, there's no clear sense of what it's supposed to be or what it is that they're going to do. But it's just the fact that they're tapping into their passions and their interests to try and become better people. And um, the uh, sort of near the end of the movie, they, they like every, obviously everyone assumes that they're going to crap out and they're not going to do a good job and they're going to be rubbish. But like at the end of the movie, they, they perform, um, oh, what's the song he does? It's a, it's a, I think it's, is it time to say goodbye? I don't know what it's called, but it's like a, an opera song. Uh, yeah, I think Pavarotti performed it or someone like that. And then it, it kind of, they performed that at this Catalina wine mixer. And then intermi intermittently, John C. Riley's on the drums and he's going boats and holes and just <laughs> drumming it in the song. And it just creates this little um, performance piece at a party. And, and everyone's kind of like blown away by it and how like wonderful it is and stuff. But, and I just, I just wondered like, have you ever have you ever had any experiences like that or and you know not uh, like where you've kind of had to work with somebody and you felt like oh wow like this person's really difficult to work with or felt or almost felt oh, like man. you're the other person <laughs> god you know how to pick the topics seriously <laughs> controversial as well yeah he is he is but it but it's it's an everyday thing isn't it right it, i don't know i mean i guess we're all at some point or other for each project or thing we're working on we're all well equipped or ill-equipped you mm. know at some point if, if we're inexperienced starting out learning about whatever the thing might be so we've probably all played sort of both sides of that haven't we we've been the person who's perhaps not performing as, as well as they'd like um perhaps even deliberately sometimes you know consciously not not bringing you a game yeah um, i wish i was more um what's the word uh, prepared. <laughs> I was on, on some of the things we talk about. I know some stuff, but I, I, I haven't got a framework. I can't. I can't explain it properly. Yeah, yeah. But there's a something that's always stuck with me. I, I guess most managers I've ever had have left some kind of. You know, there's, there might be a thing, one or two things that particularly from them I've taken onwards. Uh, and and one one manager in particular always used to talk about competent and i really liked the way that he talked about it and it's, there's probably a, a, a term for this as a model there's a there's a method um i just sort of remember the sketchy outline of it right. but, but it made a ton of sense um you almost need to see it to visualize it but there's a sort of four stages to competence okay so to begin with you're unconsciously incompetent you don't know that you're not very good right that's uh -huh. something then you become consciously incompetent. You now know that you're not competent at it. You know, there's, a, there's a gap there. Right. And you become consciously competent. Now you're competent at doing it. You can do it well. You're thinking about it. 
and finally you become unconsciously competent. You don't even think about it anymore. You just do it well right. without thinking. Um, and it's quite a nice kind of journey to map out. And, and sometimes, yeah, I ask myself on, on a given thing, whether it's a, a technique, particular topic, particular kind of environment, project, where am I, you know? And, and hopefully I'm at least consciously incompetent. I want to know that I'm not good at something yeah, so yeah. I can work on becoming consciously competent um, whilst recognizing there probably are things that I have no idea I, I'm not good at particularly, you know, until you have feedback perhaps from someone or, or it becomes blindingly obvious. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's normal, right? I know you're talking about performance in a team and, and i guess like i said we've, we've all been there we've all been that person who is unconsciously incompetent we don't even know that there's a gap <laughs> or no um so, so i guess there's a piece in there about helping and supporting each other to grow and develop and 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 you can improve right even if you are the person that people are on the rise out there is an opportunity to to develop and actually i'd argue there's more of an opportunity for those people to help you develop right yeah. to not just leave you cast aside to actually help bring you along um, but actually, easier said than done, right? That's a complicated thing to do. I'm, I'm sure we could have Rosie on here and Kevin, and we could do hours and hours and hours on kind of, like we said, um, mentorship and, and guiding and helping people to improve. When you have somebody who is consciously incompetent, how do you, you know, it's a very difficult thing to broach with someone, isn't it? To say to them, oh, hey, uh, guess what? I don't think you're very good at this. And and I know there are ways of, of, of kind of working with people and, and kind of uh, like, you know, mentoring them or whatever. But I wonder, I wonder how you deal with people who yeah. are consciously, unconsciously incompetent, but also willfully so as well. Yeah. Because there's yeah, that that's, side that's... of thing, isn't it? Sometimes you sort of, you try, you oh. hint, you want to work with somebody and they're just not interested. To be fair, that and this model was talked about a lot by by that manager um, for good reason. Um, and, and to be fair, it wasn't a hard exercise to be working on a thing, even talking about my future, where are you going next, where are you developing, mm -hmm. we want you to go to the next level. I was doing bigger global projects. I had lots of stuff going on. It was quite easy actually to sit down with me, pick out some things I was doing, some skills I had, and, and ask me to think, where am I? And it's easy to go... I can do this task that we do routinely. I'm, I'm consciously competent. And, and there were some skills I had, coding, filmmaking, that kind of stuff. I was unconsciously competent. I could do it without even thinking. Yeah. And, and once you started playing that game, you could plot things of yourself and you might plot some things that you recognized you weren't great at. But it also made it possible for that manager to say, what about this thing? Mm. And it's a thing that, that, that I hadn't even begun to think about. And it was pretty abundantly clear to me that oh, I'm... Yeah, I'm not good at that, but I've never thought about it. It's kind of not even, a, it's not something I'm trying to improve. I'm not consciously incompetent. I'm unconsciously incompetent. Yeah. It's about let's plot the things you are doing well and good at, consciously or unconsciously, and then let's find room for the stuff that you want to improve in. And I don't know how many people realistically, if they had that kind of revelatory moment where they realized they weren't particularly great at something and they hadn't even recognized it, how many of them wouldn't be inspired to want to improve mm. in some way you'd like to think most people would <laughs> <You'd hope. laughs> yeah. yeah well the, the, the one of the kind of one of the other parts of the movie is this idea that you've got these two stepbrothers and they're both incompetent in their own way and then 
everyone else kind of doesn't have any no one else has any expectations of them because because they are kind of written off and and so they almost get to settle into this this comfort zone of of uselessness and actually it's when they meet each other that they build each other up and give each other more strength and so i think that's a part of it as well is that you know um even outside of the incompetency side of things is when you sometimes the people that you work with aren't always the people that you would choose to work with and so whether you're partnering with somebody on something or you're part of a team um you can actually find sometimes that when you find a common ground and a common goal you can actually bring the best out of each other even in those kind of awkward situations or those uncomfortable situations um and so I guess a part of me almost feels like we shouldn't fear working with people that we're not comfortable with working working with. Oh, I mean, you can learn from them, right? Yeah. Actually, there's something to be said for getting outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Uh, and as you were explaining about stepbrothers, funny enough, thinking of it in the frame of this conscious competence thing, it occurred to me that probably both of the guys were unconsciously incompetent. They almost didn't know that they weren't doing yeah, stuff yeah. until they had each other because suddenly they could look out at someone else, make observations. I, I imagine there's a scene where one of them's looking at the other one and thinking you're an idiot, but then recognizing, oh my God, I'm actually the same. So does that mean I'm an idiot? And they kind of together grow the conscious incompetence. And now that now you've got a starting place, now you're conscious about it at least. Yeah. You can begin and kind of move somewhere. Um, and you're right, yeah, working in your comfort zone uh, is, is well known to, you know, it doesn't challenge anybody yeah. you know, to, to an extent, you know, it's fine and, and dandy for a bit, but you've got to get outside um, that little ring and work with different people, yeah. different styles, different approaches. Because that's the um, other thing as well. It's like the idea of these two guys is that their head's in the cloud. So even even when they uh, people are sort of like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? They have faith in each other, which gives them, the confidence within themselves to try new things. You know, what I was thinking we should do is have an investor presentation like they do on The Apprentice. Yeah, we got to start with some capital somewhere. Here's the thing, though. If we're going to start a huge multinational corporation, I'm going to have to hear you sing. Can't you just trust that I'm a really, really, really good singer? Just one song, so I know what your voice sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I just, I'll just do it. No big deal. I'll just dive into it and just start singing. <clears throat> people are talking, talking about people. I just ignore them, but they keep us saying we laugh just a little too loud. Let's give them something to talk about. How about love, 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 I'm not just some guy. Brennan, that is the voice of an angel. Why can't you do that in front of people? Are you messing with me right now? And and I think that's such an integral part of of, of not just business but life in general is 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 finding a uh, a companion to build you up and encourage you to do things rather than constantly just surround yourself in an echo chamber of people that um, you know, st stop you from pushing your own limits and your own, 
you know, your own ambitions, as it were. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, for, I mean, for a minute, I thought you were about to tell me that I'm that person, that I lift you up and make you better. <laughs> and then you said, or oh, just surround yourself in an echo chamber. Oh, actually, that's You're my me. echo chamber. <laughs> no, but you can, you can have both, right? And, and I think that's the thing is, like, our relationship is both. Like, sometimes, you know, we will echo chamber. We'll sit and we'll bitch about something or we'll celebrate something or we'll both have a very common shared opinion on something. But at the same time, we're also quite happy to say, oh, I think you can do better or actually, you know what, I don't think that's going to work. And then almost like, you know, that's one of my favourite things when you tell me something's not going to work because then I want to prove it will work just so I can rub your face in it, <laughs> you know. So, so, there's, so there is that sort of, is that you can have both. You can have that yin and yang, can't you? Yeah, that's very true. Too. I guess that comes from having the confidence and, uh, what's the word? Um Comfort might not be the right word, but being comfortable failing, you know, yeah. not not holding it too personally. But that that's built up over time, right? That's a relationship yeah. you have to grow. You don't get over. And, and I think that's probably probably one of the key parts, isn't it? It's like you just hit the nail on the head. There is that comfort in failing, or you know, there's there's not really any embarrassment attached to the failure side of things. Like how how easy is it to throw an idea out or to try something and then it and it tanks? But not to feel like oh, oh, I feel really silly now. That that's that's yeah. th- that's the difference between productivity and you know playing it safe, isn't it? Really? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Mm. Um, people have that ability to. Oh, it's a horrible phrase, but to give you wings, and it is true. <laughs> I've been I've been asked so many times about my different kind of creative relationships with people, and and more often than not. Because it's hard to describe why. Why do you work with that? Why does why does that collaboration work? And more often than not, that is my answer. Do you know what it it frees me a little bit? That person gives me it's not not a technical thing. It's not something you can put on paper. But what they give me is permission. Mm. You know, the ability to to reach a little bit, mm. um, and that's that's incredibly valuable. I know that a bit of time working on my own in isolation is actually probably a bad thing for me. Doesn't doesn't do me any favors, even though I quite like the idea of hunkering down and getting on with work quietly on my own I, I need that inspiration and input from other people to to get the best out of yeah and, and, and I think you know I'm not a big fan of networking um I find I find personally find it quite difficult to be thrown into a room full of strangers and and try and make a connection um but but networking is very you know is an integral part of that as well because you're never going to meet these people or you're never going to get a chance to work with these people unless you are networking and it's like as a writer you know I've I find it very difficult because I'm not surrounded by other writers I'm I mean I you know not in isolation I don't live in the middle of nowhere but I'm not I don't live in a part of the country where there is a big organization of people that I can easily access so everything's online um, and then you almost have this weird trust barrier because there are those people that want you to pay for a service and then you feel like, oh, this I just feel like you're going to take my money and tell me my writing's rubbish or it's good or whatever. Or those people who are doing it for free and then you think, well, actually, if you can afford to do it for nothing and you're easily accessible, are you somebody who even knows what you're talking about? Do you call yourself a writer but you're just Joe Bloggs? And then you almost doubt yourself and you think, but is that me? Am I just, you know? And so you kind of get in this weird cycle of, of distrust and, and you become less and less and less productive. Whereas I guess 
if if I was able to network a little bit easier or I did have that opportunity to talk to people more, show people stuff that I've done beyond just family and friends, you feel like you're getting more of a um, a open and honest and informed opinion on something. And whereas in the in a corporate environment, it's slightly different, but at the same time, you've got you know if you've got a common goal in mind you know that there's no need to mess mess around or faff about or go oh yeah you know let's live in this little bubble of whatever because you have to achieve something so ultimately you are going to push each other and you are going to challenge each other and and drive it drive each other and that sometimes that may lead to tense moments sometimes it will just be a great joy but i guess as long as it doesn't feel like a toxic relationship or something that's detrimental or imbalanced if someone's doing all the work and someone else is doing nothing then obviously that's not a good place to be in either is it yeah absolutely and and in in stepbrothers would you say that the, the, the two guys begin as kind of worst enemies and, and ultimately then you know, it great enablers in each other's life. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, ultimately, you could argue that their relationship is constantly toxic because they, 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 they are constantly trying to go against each other, and then they support each other in ways that are ridiculous. But out of that, they kind of almost go through this interpersonal change where they learn to actually be productive and actually come up with things that are good for both of them and those around them. So, out they they kind of go through a very quick and strong character arc to get to that point without betraying who they are you know they don't suddenly become different people at the end but they grow and they develop into better people that's interesting Mm. because yeah now you say that your typical story would have them change and be a different person yeah but that doesn't sound like that's what this movie does it just brings them together unless that's sparking right yeah and ultimately as well, like their parents learn to accept them for who they are as well, which is obviously a big part of that um, because that's the whole team element, isn't it? Sometimes is we might suddenly learn to accept somebody else for who they are rather than constantly thinking, oh, they're so different. Why are they so this or why are they so that? Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah. I know I've already said it, but how much of that movie reflects your relationship with your brother? Quite quite a lot of all the shenanigans? Um I don't know, really. It's on, it, it's kind of weird. Like, I guess me and my brother are always thick as thieves. Um, so, like, building the bunk beds and all that sort of stuff, that seems quite funny. But then it's weird, like, when you're an older brother, you always have this weird thing of, like, <laughs> you know, like now when kids sit and watch someone on YouTube play a game, and everyone's like, who would sit yeah. on you? That was, my brother grew up doing that. That was my brother's childhood, watching me play Sega or watching me play <laughs> Nintendo. And then it'd be like, right, after uh, when I die, you can have a go. Oh, I, I, actually, I didn't mean to die then. So after when I die next time, you can have a go. You know, so it was, you know, that's <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> so being an older brother is a slightly different dynamic to the, these are almost like, there's a year that separates them. So they're, they're very much, and they're older men, obviously. Um, but yeah I mean I guess I guess so Um, uh, it's just it's just funny but um, so there's a I just imagine your childhood was full of jokes and and gags oh yeah winding each other up I remember this is uh, this is the kind of weird stuff that we used to do so I remember once we had um, my cousins came over and we were in uh, so me and my brother used to share a bedroom we had bunk beds and I had a camera. I must have had a bought a camera or something, and it was an old film camera. 
and I must have been about eight or nine at the time, maybe a bit older, ten possibly. And we did this thing where we staged a... <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. We staged a murder scene in the bedroom. So all like, the, like everyone was laying on the bed or like put ketchup on the forehead like as if they'd been shot in the head and and th- and everyone like had their tongues hanging out and all that and then I took a picture of it <laughs> and then my when my my dad come up because he was coming I think he's come up to like give it tell us dinner was ready or something and he's like what are you all doing and we were like oh we're just staging a murder scene and uh, we thought it was the funniest thing ever. And my dad was going berserk. He's like, I'm going to have the FBI on my doorstep. I'm going to have the CIA and the police. And everyone's going to think we're murderers. And get, like Just total overreaction. Just ridiculous overreaction. My dad's got this real... if You know, like my dad could be, if need be, a tinfoil hat type person. It would be, <laughs> you know. And he's like, the FBI are going to come round and all this. And... Um, and just went berserk and made me um, made me destroy the the reel of film. And she's like, I'm not getting that pro, pro, processed and all this. And I just that's what my child was filled with was moments like that. Just so most people remember like holidays or football. That like I remember staging murder scenes or tying my brother and sister to the climbing frame <laughs> or locking my sister in the shed and doing a rain dance with a golf club, trying to hate, make you know pretending that the the garden was going to get struck by lightning and. You know, these are the sort of weird things that we used to do as kids. So, yeah, I guess in a way, I could probably see more of my childhood in stepbrothers than some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, so, so there's a there's a bit at the beginning of the movie when, um, uh, so when Nancy and Robert first meet meet each other, they it kind of jump cuts to the they go to the bedroom and and they're about to have sex and um, as they're undressing, they're telling each other real quick facts about themselves because this is kind of this hilarious kind of nod to the fact that they're an older generation. So the idea is you can just jump in bed with somebody, and so they're they're telling each other all these random little facts about each other, and then um, later on in the movie. There's this great scene where when uh, Dow and Brennan going for job interviews. Mr. Huff, under your references, uh, you listed Dale Dovek, which I know is this gentleman, but you also listed Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah, we, we are looking for people we can contact. We want to tell you the stuff we're not good at, our weaknesses. So we're clear up front. Okay. We're not generally comfortable in an office setting, I would say. I get cooped up. I won't go into an office that's ever been used before. I am no good before 11 a.m. I also get headaches from computers, so I can't be around them for too long. I take stuff. I need to have someone go up and down with me in the elevator. I have a weakness for sweets. (laughs) Other weaknesses? We're slow learners, and we're not particularly good listeners. That'll That'll be a huge problem. We're also slow learners. Anyway, you've got eight minutes. Eight interview minutes, interview got you, right, yeah, Cole, right, so eight, we're going to have, you've got five-minute interview, ready? When did you first get cajoled into doing the podcast? How did that come about? I mean, 12 weeks ago. No, a bit more than that, because we've done a couple of, you know, a couple of two-week gaps, so probably 15 weeks ago or something. Right. And you said to me, if I call you in five minutes, will you answer it? I'm recording the podcast. <laughs> and then here I am 12 weeks later, I had no idea what I was getting into. You asked me a question. Right? <laughs> Just go tip, go, go, tip for tat. Any question you want. Okay, cool. If you could be any 80s music pop star, who would you be? Um, probably be, um, uh, I'd probably be David Bowie, man. I can't help it. 
It's got to be David Bowie. I know that he's not eighties per se, but he had his whole period in the eighties. One of one of. Exactly. I, I thought that was um, yeah. No, I don't know what I expected, but not that. <laughs> what was you expecting, it's Pete Burns? <laughs> yeah, it's a incredible musician. I was expecting Rick Astley or something. <laughs> okay, well then we'll, we'll follow up. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Um, Okay. No, no I know what sense. I want to be. I want to be Millie from Millie Vanilli. <laughs> That's a better there we answer go. for Brandon there we go. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, name a film that you should have watched that you've never watched that you're embarrassed to admit. I can do sort of an answer to that. But it's, a bit, it's half and half. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, actually. <laughs> At college, we were supposed to have watched The Godfather, maybe? Oh, yeah. Or maybe Godfather 2. And Rick, uh, it must have been for Chris Hugo's class, I guess, for film theory. Right. And I never watched it. So I watched it at four speed the morning of just to get through it. <laughs> I had like my BCR could go at four speed. <laughs> so I've sort of seen it, but I've not really seen it because it was very hard to follow. <laughs> just sort oh, man. Of, I saw lots of the visuals, but I couldn't really make out much of the dialogue. No idea what was going on. Oh, hey, that is tragic. So that is that's tragic. half and half. I sort of have seen it, but I haven't seen it. Right. Uh, what's your biggest ever fashion faux pas? Curtains and frosted tips. Oh. <laughs> that predates me. I've not seen the frosted tips. That would have been something special. Frosted tips, man. Curtains with frosted tips. That was that was something else. I was going to say curtains were probably your mum's fault, not yours. But the frosted tips, that no, was definitely your choice. You chose that. I'd love to ta- Sometimes I wish that time travel existed so I could go back in time and punch myself in the face. There are so many instances I'd love to do that. <laughs> Something that people always talk about in relation to business that bores you to hell. Podcasts. <laughs> I just, really funny, right? Quick story. I've got about two chapters of a book I've been writing for like the last year or so, just on the side. Right. And I got so much grief from my team when I told them I was doing this because it's my book is called The Podcast. And it explains why you don't need a podcast. Any business with a podcast is wasting their time. And then literally one by one, they started calling me, have you got a podcast? I'm like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> You've betrayed yourself. Yeah. If you uh, had to be a doctor, what would your area of specialism be? I'd either be a brain surgeon or a paediatrician. I know if I've got the steady enough hands to be a brain surgeon, but I just like the idea of it. Again, a very middle of the road answer. You could have gone anywhere with that. I thought. What do you think? Like a like a uh, like a proctologist or something? Yeah, (laughs) liposuction, plastic surgeon. I could see that more. You in California doing plastic surgery (laughs) with my face all pinned back like Rob Lowe behind the candelabra. Um, okay, right. Uh, question for you: Who would win in a fight between John Lennon and Paul McCartney? John Lennon. Fair days. If you were a drink, what drink would you be? If I was a drink, what drink would I be? I think I would be Dr Pepper. Sort of, not many people like it, but the people that like it like it a lot. Good answer. I like it. Uh, what's your favourite colour? Is there a diet version of Dr Pepper? Like a half and half? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Is there? Yeah, Dr Pepper diet, and, yeah. And you can dial it down a little bit because you, 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 
<laughs> Could that be your favourite version of me? Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> What's your favourite colour? Uh, green. If you were a wizard, what would your um, signature spell be? Oh, signature spell. I thought you were going to say signature quote, and I was just going to say thou shall not pass. But, um, <laughs> that was too easy for me. Uh, signature spell, probably to, to, to take away people's ability to speak. I'd rather see and not hear them, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Sorry. That's a good one. What is the temperature on the surface of Mars? So Mars is a little bit colder than Earth. I don't know what the temperature is. <laughs> what is the temperature on the on the surface of Mars? Oh, I don't know. I just asked it. You asked oh, me okay. a question. I, I know. Question. I know what podcast they listen to on Mars. They listen to Keeping on Track. I know that much. Um, if ours was the if ours was the the one podcast that aliens intercepted and listened to, wouldn't that be awesome? Mate, we- they'd leave this planet well alone. <laughs> They're going to destroy themselves in, in in enough time. We'll leave it and we'll come back for the natural resources. We're not going to destroy ourselves. We're not that incompetent. We just we don't have to be incompetent to destroy yourself. You just have to be a lunatic. Yeah, there's a little bit of that about you for sure. I'm, I don't think I'm as much of a lunatic. I'm just trying to get by. Just trying to keep myself out of trouble. Just trying to keep your head up. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? I tell you what, the most embarrassing thing I've ever done is watch my old show reel. When I watch stuff back that we did like 15 years ago, it t- absolutely curls my toes. It is some of the most cringy stuff I've ever watched. So that is definitely. What about you? When I was about five, no, I'm probably older than that, six maybe, seven, um, I graffitied in the school toilets. What did you write? My name. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Full name, properly, like Adam Heath. I didn't do my surname. It was, we were barely able to write at that stage. But I was <laughs> on, the only Adam in the class. Brilliant. And we, went, we went through an entire sort of 30 minute episode where the teacher was trying to get whoever had graffiti to admit it, and no one would admit it. <laughs> I think she knew all along it was me. <laughs> Oh man, that's a confession and a half, that one. Still that haunted How stupid am I or must I have been to have written my own name? That's that's all I wrote, just my name in big letters. That's brilliant. That is and it's so lazy, it's not even it's not even like you thought of anything of a particular worth, you just wrote your name. <laughs> I'd like to suggest that I was learning to write and I was just proud of my accomplishments, but yeah, it was right across the wall of the toilet. That's brilliant. I want some credit for what I used to do the graffiti. What, it was on your own feces, was it? <laughs> no, it was not. That would. Be... What was it? Um, it was the the handle from the uh, flush. It was like a chain flush with blood <laughs> on the end. And I thought, wonder if that will riot, and it did. Curiosity, man. That's some curiosity. I could have flushed, but I decided to do graffiti in the first place. Fantastic. Okay, then I've got got one last question for you, um, and I'll answer it as well. Um, If you were going to be... If if the world was going to end tomorrow and you had tonight to watch one last film, what would you watch? Oh. Um... 
probably Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Nice choice. Well, actually, can I watch all three as one big movie? Yeah, go on. Because it'd be a shame to go out only having watched the first third of it. <laughs> so you can watch Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I'd struggle. I'd probably spend the whole night trying to choose a film and then die. But um, I think if I if I had to push, 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 I'd probably pick. Um, I'd probably pick Austin Powers. What? <laughs> I would probably pick Austin Powers. I'd want to pick Jaws or Blade Runner or something like that or some absolute stone-cold classic, something by Kurosawa or something along those lines. But I think I would just need to not know that the world was in a terrible place and Austin Powers just would take me to that point where I'm just enjoying life to the utmost. I can't give you my Sorry, second be that. after all the Rings. Go on. I bloody love Inception. I absolutely love Inception. Uh, okay. So that I could well do with sitting and watching that. In fact, yeah. Naomi's out tonight. She's visiting some friends. So Are I you might gonna watch, watch that. Inception on my own. <laughs> so I'm not really loud because it's just amazing. Well, I tell you, I bought, I know, bought a new telly at the weekend, didn't I? And yeah. honestly, the black levels on it, I told you, are amazing. Last night, I said to Adele, we've got to test it out. So I put Dark Knight Rises on. Dude, oh, man, 4K film. I've got it because I've got them on UHD. I watched 4K film and a 4K, proper 4K telly, not one of them kind of basic ones, a proper 4K telly. It's the only way to do it. A short of having your own cinema, it's outstanding. We, we need to get back to doing this every week, mate, because there's so much that we miss out. We haven't talked about your TV and the drama you had with your TV. <laughs> we haven't even talked about, we're out of time now because I'm already six minutes late leaving. Um, we haven't talked about my eBay. I didn't tell you how Mary Poppins got. <gasps> how I mean, did Mary, what did you get for Mary? It did sell that much. A few of them haven't sold. There's a few that oh. have been rejected by um, by eBay. But Mary Poppins, where are you? £3.44. There you go. Plus £76 postage. Not bad at all. <laughs> That's <that>. criminal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a couple of them are on about their fourth relisting and they just won't sell. No one wants Hot Fuzz. No one wants... Um, what was the other one I told you about? I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, that that side effects movie. Side effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You won't sell that. No one's going to buy that. Can't give them away. Nah, no, that's it. Right. We need a score cool. for Step Brothers, and we can wrap up. Oh, uh, Step Brothers. Give it a three and a half. Not, not much consideration in that. You just bang. There is straight out three and a half. Yeah, I was. I'm on it for three and a half for Step Brothers. Okay. Nice. Here we go. Cool. Well, Adam, I would absolutely love to ask you a thousand more questions, but I know you've got to go. So I'll love you and leave you. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.